The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Some Pharisees came in to test Jesus. They asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Jesus answered them, What did Moses command you? They said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of dismissal and to divorce her. But Jesus said to them, Because of the hardness of your heart, he wrote this commandment for you. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Then in the house, the disciples asked him again about this matter. Jesus said to them, Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her, and if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. People were bringing little children to him in order that Jesus might touch them, and the disciples spoke sternly to them. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and said to them, Let the little children come to me. Do not stop them, for it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Truly, I tell you, Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. And Jesus took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. The Gospel of the Lord. Our readings today relate to relationships in general, but marriage in particular. And they make two very important points that I think help us to live out whatever relationship we're in. The first point comes from the gospel. It's when Jesus says, do not forbid the children to come to me, for it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Little children in the normal sense mean infant and toddlers, but for us, in a spiritual sense, it's inviting us to our relationship with God on that level where, like children, we trust in God. We open our hearts. We're vulnerable. We come to God for everything and especially when we're in great need. And that's an important lesson to learn because God always has graces ready for us and help. Now, how important is that for spouses if they bring their faith into a marriage because now they're inviting Christ? And if they're that vulnerable in their relationship with God, then they will pray, not separately, but together. And they will grow in their friendship. Aristotle said many years ago that Friendship can be much more deepened when those two friends share a love for a good that is beyond them, something that transcends both of them, and what good is greater than God. That's why faith is so important to bring into the marriage, and when couples pray together, as the old saying has it, they stay together because that prayer focused on God draws the spouses to love itself, who is God. That's the first point. The second point comes in that second reading from the book of Hebrews. The letter to the Hebrews has one theme. It's the priesthood of Jesus. And it helps to understand that because this is a difficult reading from chapter 2, especially the phrase where it says that Jesus was made perfect in suffering. And we ask, how can that be? Isn't Jesus God? How can God be made perfect? To understand that context, Jesus is a priest, and what's the function of a priest? Primarily to offer sacrifices. 
Now, in the Old Testament, the Levitical priests were not perfect because, first of all, they had sin, and then they were offering animals as sacrifices. Jesus, the perfect God-man without sin, doesn't offer animals. He offers himself, his totality, on the cross as a sacrifice in that sense. His ministry as a priest is brought to perfection, which means completeness. That's how to understand that. Now let's apply that to marriage. We're priests in our baptism. Each of you and I share a common priesthood, and we share it with Christ. We're called to exercise that priesthood in whatever relationship we're in. In a marriage, the spouses sacrificially love each other, and that's very important to understand they're not just in a sacrament of marriage, they are priests to each other and to the world. So to lay down one's life for the other is a sacrifice. As Paul says in his letter to the Romans, chapter 12, it is fitting to offer to God a living sacrifice. Offer to God your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to the Lord. So in marriage, how does this work? We have a fallen nature. We tend to be selfish. To offer that marriage as mutual ministers, priests, together, we no longer think it's all about me, or I want my way, or I don't listen to my spouse with that genuine care and her or his feelings. I spend a lot of time in my own hobbies. There's no communication that's really relevant. All of that is put aside. We die to ourselves, take up our cross, and in that sense, we're offering our lives to each other as living priests, sacrifices. Now, those two points are crucial when it comes to understanding what the church teaches about marriage. It's set out right in the first reading. It's introduced by the Pharisees in the gospel who are trying to trap Jesus, always trying to do him in. And so they say, Jesus, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and to put away his wife for basically any reason. What do you say? Jesus responds by going back to the beginning, which is our first reading from Genesis chapter 2. And there's the outline of marriage. First of all, we see that marriage is a gift by God for humanity. It's his idea. It's not a secular organization that's controlled by the state in the sense that it can be changed or manipulated through all kinds of ideologies or whatever shifts through time. It's God's idea. And there's two purposes for marriage that God has in mind. One, bring the spouses together to grow in love and friendship, that collaboration, partnership. Secondly, life, procreation of children. Those two goals that God has set for marriage actually bring us into the Trinity itself because what is the Trinity but a family of persons in love for each other? A total outpouring of each of the Father to the Son, the Spirit to the Father and the Son. It's a mutual emptying out. And it's so intense that God desires to share that love with others. So he creates us in his image and likeness with intellect. We can think with the heart, with will. We can decide. And that way we can enter into that image of God's love. 
and bring it out to the world. So in that sense, when God sees Adam alone, he says it's not good. And that's the first time in the Bible it is said it's not good. In the creation account, every day it's good, it's good, it's good, it's very good on the sixth day, but now it's not good that the man live alone. And so he takes the rib from Adam, forms Eve, as a poetic way of saying that they are mutually equal in dignity, complementarity, since the rib is the bone closest to one's heart, and the heart is what signifies love. In that context, then the marriage becomes a sacrament. God's love is brought out into the world through the spouses and their family. And those two points that I mentioned at the beginning, that is, to have that childlike spirituality, the vulnerability to God in each other, and then to lay down one's life for each other, is at the heart of marriage. Again, that's why when Adam sees his wife, he says, this is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. We are equal, we're meant to build each other up, and that's why God then says, what God has joined together with must not be divided. I'll just end very quickly with a, a story that I came across in preparation for this homily, and it just brings to bear, in a very simple way, those two crucial points. Vulnerability as a child, sacrificially willing to lay down one's life for the other. And I'll just quote. When I was a little child, my mom liked to make breakfast food for dinner every now and then. And I remember one night in particular when she had made breakfast after a long, hard day at work. On that evening so long ago, my mom placed a plate of eggs, sausage, and extremely burned biscuits in front of my dad. I remember waiting to see if anyone noticed. Yet all my dad did was reach for the biscuit, smile at my mom, and ask me how my day was at school. I don't remember what I told him that night, but I do remember watching him smear butter and jelly on that biscuit and eat every bite. When I got up from the table that evening, I remember hearing my mom apologize to my dad for burning the biscuits, and I'll never forget what he said. Honey, I love burned biscuits. Later that night, I went to kiss Daddy goodnight, and I asked him if he really liked burned biscuits. He wrapped me in his arms and said, your mama put in a hard day at work today and she's real tired. And besides, a little burned biscuit never hurt anyone. Here's the lesson in all of that. We're called to recognize that we're not perfect, our spouse is not perfect, anyone that we're in a relationship is not. God is calling us to recognize each other's deficiencies and differences and together to build a life of love. And I see families here today and I'm always so happy when I see children sitting in the front pew, all in the congregation, because this is what it means for us to image God. We bring simplicity into our life, vulnerability to God and each other, always asking forgiveness, acknowledging our faults, and then laying down our lives for each other. We keep those two points in mind, any relationship that we're in will be made much richer, much more fruitful, and love will truly be a sacrament.